Twitter might be falling apart, but we're going strong. We're going to talk about the MVP. Cleveland had a pair of hitters get votes for third place in the American League this year. We are going to talk about another old friend who is on their way out, as well as Jess Winker. Let's let's hit the debate as today Seattle traded off another outfielder who can't play any defense. All on today's edition of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I want to thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. And your daily reminder to go subscribe to Unlocked on Guardians on YouTube. Listen, we're at 879, and we are so good. Justin, there was someone who told me, I think we were talking about, we both look at the comments. I'm the responder, if anyone's curious. One of the people who said that uh, they're unsubscribing today said they're subscribing back. <laughs> so um, we win them over no matter what. I, 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 that's like the third time this year that's happened. So, you know, we we, we win you back no matter what. Uh I'm Jeff Ellis, one of the hosts of Lockdown Guardians. I'm not going to read my bio since apparently drives people insane. I talked about stuff. Justin? I still write about stuff, and I used to write about stuff other places, and I owe it all to Twitter. Otherwise, I'd be a bigger nobody than I am now. Yeah, maybe we should do that sometime. Is like a, the kind of our, our big moments in Twitter. Like I think for me, my first breakthrough was when uh, – Terry Pluto like talked about stuff I was writing. That was a big accomplishment at the time. Things like that. Like Twitter was really cool for its ability to do something like that when you were an up and coming writer. It opened doors that wouldn't have necessarily been able to be open. So uh, it's very sad what is going on over there. I also want to do a quick thing. I can't remember who it was to ask me to do a rule five like Cleveland history thing. I have that uh, list. I just shared it with Justin. We'll do one of that in the upcoming before this rule five draft. It's um it's sad. Let's just put it that way. The history of the Rule 5 has not been in Cleveland's favor. Let's talk a little bit transactions. I was a little bit surprised to see that Cleveland just straight out released Kirk McCarty today. He must have cleared waivers, and which is not unsurprising with teams being tight up against it. I mean, there were a few teams that had a little more, uh, but he was useful. I mean, it, and this team doesn't have a lot of left-handed options. Uh, we know that they probably needed to clear a few more spots to get all the draft picks on at the end of the season. But uh, I wish him well. I hope he lands on his feet, and I hope he pitches in the majors again this year. He did everything that was asked of him, always showed up, always pitched his tail off. Uh, this is my personal salute. Anything you want to say about Kirk? Yeah, definitely had a better career than I ever would have given him. It ended up being the kind of role I guess he would think he would graduate to after being a prospect for a while. I mean, I don't think his, this is the end of his career. I'm pretty sure if he doesn't latch on in Cleveland or come back or he'll latch on somewhere else. I mean, Baltimore picked him up for a minute, hot minute last year. Um, but Hey, they thought enough of them to put him on the, on the uh, playoff roster uh, for the Tampa Bay race series, which I didn't necessarily think was going to happen, but it did. So that's, that's good for him and a highlight in his career. And he'll always have the, um, the heroics of the 15 inning game that he uh, won and ended up being a pretty big, win to be honest because uh they won that 15 inning game and they won that series 
they lose that 15 inning game, who knows how the momentum shifts, you know, you can be dejected. Oh, there's my interrupt. No, I agree. hundred uh, percent. Let's uh, check in the time doing the debate. Let's do a little bit of MVP talk. We'll start it and then we'll carry it into segment two. So I thought it was interesting today. The AL MVP was announced and listen, you either voted one or two, two names. Uh, most of the third place votes went to Jordan Alvarez, but not all. Uh, there were three people in general holding up who got third place votes behind the big two. Uh, Jordan Alvarez. I don't know why I threw some, some on the Alvarez there. And then Jose Ramirez and Andres Jimenez. And if you're curious, no, Jimenez was not voted on by local uh, Cleveland voters. Zachary Silver of MLB.com, who's a Baltimore writer, and Levi Weaver of The Athletic, who is uh, Texas, both put Jimenez third on their ballot. Uh, Ramirez ended up finishing fourth. Jimenez sixth, I want to say. Overall, uh, a lot of people voted. (laughs) There's a cough. I'm just doing everything early that people hate. Uh, Jimenez ended up behind him. But I also thought it was just interesting general when you look at the ballot, the Cleveland um, representatives were Mandy Bell and Ryan Lewis from MLB and the Beacon Journal. And they both had Jimenez fourth. They had the exact same ballot, one, two, three, four. And then, uh, yes, and then, let's see, Ramirez was fifth on Mandy. Julio Rodriguez was fifth on Ryan's. And then Ramirez was sixth uh, on on Ryan. So yeah, Cleveland wasn't too homery in this one at all. Uh, I mean, it played out, I think the way most of us expected, but it was nice to see, you know, in terms of who was even in that discussion for third overall two Cleveland guys. Did, uh, did any, did Stephen Kwan get any down ballot votes? Did he have been anywhere or no? Uh, you know what? I kind of like, <laughs> didn't even think to look. No, I, I, don't, uh, have any, I don't have any Kwans on here. Okay. By the way, John Murphy ended up 20th. So for all the people who are tired of us talking about Sean Murphy, we're going to keep bringing that up. But let's see. Uh, He he tied with Dylan Cease. Yandy Diaz, by the way, uh, ended up tied for 19th. Wow. Going to keep, you know. uh, Yeah. You know, that's one of those. He got a he got one vote. Ninth overall. Let's see who voted for Yandi Diaz in that ninth ninth spot. Uh, Marley Rivera of ESPN.com of New York. So not a Tampa Bay one either. It was a one of the New York ones. So that's good for Yandi. Um, but yeah, those are the only people from Cleveland who got it, got any votes. It, what's interesting in a way is, you know, we kind of debated the rookie of the year and how those two players are probably closer than a lot of people gave him credit for. Well, in the MVP... Uh, Adley got 14, Julio got 108. So in those, they did not um, come together very high. Uh, if you're curious about that top six, in between Jose and Andres was Altuve, who beat Andres by one vote, 142 to 141. That's how close it was um, in terms of fourth place or um, fifth place. It was very nearly fourth and fifth being Cleveland batters. Uh, what are your kind of final thoughts and takeaways here before we, uh, we hit break number one. Uh, I think probably some people thought that maybe Jimenez would finish above Jose Ramirez the way things played out. But I think some of that is due to reputation for Jose, but also some of that is they learned, well, no, they wouldn't. That's true. I was going to say, we found out that he was playing on a bad thumb all that time. 
And maybe some people knew that all along, but that wasn't public knowledge until the, until the end of the season. And don't forget MVP votes are due the final day of the regular season. So if anybody um, didn't have that information that there didn't influence their vote, I'm sure some people knew that a little, maybe that influenced their vote, but uh, deserving considering he was still a league average player on a uh, torn UCL. How many guys like, Think of a player who is a league average player getting a torn UCL in their in their thumb. They're either just not playing or they're uh, um, they're not league average anymore. <laughs> they're pretty bad, so that's pretty impressive. But Jimenez definitely deserved the recognition too for coming in and being I don't know, probably the second best player on the team this year. I don't know. It's pretty close to him and Quan in terms of position players. I I would say he's the best. I think for me and you know i think we saw that kind of like with both cleveland voters putting him in as higher but yeah it's a it was a nice situation you know to go back and think of the start of the year and then think what jimenez and Quan did this year and that it just you know that that's kind of a gravy situation right when when it goes that well yeah hopefully uh next year we're talking about uh i don't know two or three players finishing the top five for cleveland that is definitely a hope I have for sure. We are going to take break number one. We're going to come back and we're going to debate Jess Winker. Um, Seattle made a trade. We'll discuss it a little bit. And then we'll get into what feels like a weird debate um, just from my external perspective, my external mind, my, my, just my perspective in general uh, of I'm going to have to change my tune on today's Lockdown Guardians. But first, a word from our sponsors. And that first sponsor are the good friends we have over at Simply Safe. They want to keep it simple and they want to keep you safe. Voted the number one home security system by U.S. News and World Reports, not once, not twice, but three years in a row. That's right, three years in a row. They are dominating this. They are they're the Tampa Bay Lightning of home security. Uh, I can't think. Is there another team that's been as dominant of them in a sport uh, over the last few years? That's that's my kind of stand-in. I mean, maybe I'm. Missing someone obvious, but <laughs> do you snatch us? Nah, but simply safe doesn't cheat. They don't need to cheat to take care of you and keep you no. safe. Uh, in an emergency, their 24 7 professional monitoring agents use fast protect technology exclusively from simply safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. Don't miss your chance to say big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new simply safe. And by the way, that is SIM. P-L-I-S-A-F-E system at simplysafe.com backslash locked on MLB. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com backslash locked on MLB. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Jess Winker. He, uh, well, let's first. Okay, I, I said his name, but I'm going to backtrack. Seattle added Tay Oscar. They already had, you know, a pretty packed and interesting outfield group. They did trade away today. Kyle Lewis for a utility catcher. What a fall from grace there. Anyone who listened, you know, I was patting myself on the back for Diaz. That's a miss. If you listen to this podcast all last offseason, I was trying to find out ways to acquire Kyle Lewis. It was a rough injury, injury plagued year for him. But Seattle, on top of adding, like I said, Tay Oscar, on top of having, you know, uh, am I having a blank? Uh, Jared Kalenic possibly in the outfield. Of course, Julio Rodriguez, who we already talked about in center. 
Sam Haggerty is a useful fourth outfielder for them. Taylor Trammell, another top prospect who doesn't really have a spot right now. Uh, how do they handle all of this? Well, we know Jess Winker had an absolutely brutal year. We know that he is someone that Cleveland in the past has tried to acquire multiple times. That front office liked him enough to do to try to acquire him at least three to four points uh, in the previous season. So we know there is a history of liking him as a player. Should we just focus on what he was this year? I mean, it, he went through a bunch of injuries, so we should be fair about that. Um, things did not go his, his way this year. I mean, we talked about it before how that trade – Eugenio Suarez was the like a throw-in for salary reduction for the, the Reds, and Suarez ends up being the better player in the trade this season uh, for the Mariners. I don't know that the Mariners necessarily need to dump him though. Like I'm looking at their roster right now, and he, I mean, for one, Winker is a DH. He is not an outfielder. That's the thing. He is not a DH, or he's not an outfielder. At least he wasn't this year for sure. Um, but they have him slotted in a DH and, um, if they trade Winker, they become, I mean, I guess it what depends on what they get back. They become very right-handed heavy. So I don't know. I think the Mariners might still need Jesse Winker. It just depends on how he fits in there because, uh, there were some not so good reports at the end of the season on him. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I think a lot of people feel that DH might become Tay Oscar's spot as his defense is kind of not great either. Supposedly, he didn't want to play in double headers because he was hurting. He didn't want to play in the outfield. He kind of more wanted to be a DH. All of that sounds really negative, and it is. But it was clearly a bad marriage. He was not healthy. You know, there were not negative reports at all as him as a human being until this year. Uh, but things went very south, and it seems like things were leaked out about him to a reporter who reported all that, who is has close connection to the team. So it does seem like internally the Mariners may not be happy with Jess Winker. Cleveland has multiple times tried to acquire him in the past. He last year was his worst year in terms of K rate, and it was at 19, or I'm sorry, 8.8%, uh, not counting 2020 because 2020 was weird. So he, he walks at a decent rate. He strikes out under 20%. He had the worst year of his career, still at a 108 runs created plus. Uh, to give a comparison, a 108 runs created plus would have put him at least in the top 10, I know, amongst Cleveland hitters. Because remember, um, amongst Cleveland batters, uh, Nolan Jones was in the top 10 in a 93. 108 is better than Ahmed Rosario's production a year ago. So I'd put him under Jimenez, Ramirez, Quan, Oscar Gonzalez, and Naylor. So it's still overall, even if it is just his worst year data, it is an improvement offensively. He can play some outfield. He can play some DH. There's some ways to shift him around. But, yes, he's a terrible defender. He really should be a platoon-only bat. Shouldn't hit against lefties. But if he rebounds at all, he's going to be valuable. And right now you can get him for a song. Like, we know Chris Antonetti and Why am I saying weird words weird today? (laughs) It's another one I'm just off. But we know he loves those bargains. We know he loves to buy low. Right now, I'm not going to say he's free, but Winker, you might be able, you can get Winker probably for a low end relief arm just to help maybe make up for the loss of Swanson. Like, you know, it's like, does Eli Morgan get you Winker? Probably. 
Like, I don't think it's going to cost too much more than that because it's a one-year player. And his salary is, like, I believe under $7 million. And if they if Seattle decides to try to bring back Mitch Haniger, which they might try to do still, then they really don't have a place for, for Winker. Let me ask you this. If, if Cleveland felt they didn't have playing time or room on the roster for the outfielder slash third base when they just traded to Colorado, why, I mean, wh- what is the difference between Jesse Winker? You just said he is basically a platoon DH. Um, other than the fact that he's had, I know he doesn't, I know he doesn't strike out as much as Jones and he has the track record, but Nolan Jones, we figured out basically was a platoon outfielder slash DH. I mean, he could play positions, but um, that would make him more valuable than Winker if he doesn't have to be resigned to DH, where Winker probably does. Uh, but he is basically a platoon bat. Now, Winker has hit better in the past, but if Cleveland felt they didn't have room for a platoon outfielder, I don't know if, if it makes sense for them to have room for a platoon DH. Well, I, I think he can still play a little bit outfield, but I think, you know, you, what you said there is, is why it still makes sense is uh, significantly different strikeout profiles. Like I said, Winker's career worst year outside of 2020 is 18.8%. I don't think there's anyone who projects Nolan Jones south of 30. That, I mean, he's probably looking at it like a 35. You could argue that Nolan Jones might strike out twice as much next year uh, in the same role as Jess Winker. And I think that contact-based approach is what we've seen them go for. And like I said, they, they loved him in the past. He is, what, 29? He's going to be 29 this year, his entire season. He's not 30 yet. It's a one-year rental. And if he bounces back, I mean, you could consider giving him the qualifying offer and seeing if you can benefit from it. If it doesn't, it, like I said, it's probably not going to cost you anything. Like I even hesitate to say Eli Morgan is the cost. I, I taking on that contract, maybe giving them a little more flexibility. Um, like I said, I think, I, I think a relief arm definitely gets it done. And like I said, they just, they like to buy low in the profile. There's a reason why they tried to acquire him at multiple points in the past. Like he just, he does the same way we talk about Juan Brito, Juan Brito being their type of hitter. It's like low strikeout, good walk rates, strong eye at the plate. Um, That's what they go for nowadays. And yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of looking. And like, I look through this, this bullpen. It's like, it's such a strong bullpen. I'm like, Eli Morgan probably is their most tradable bullpen arm just because he's maybe the least valuable of the players listed. Um, uh, and like I said, I don't know if they need to do that. You might be able to trade a Curry or a Gaddis and get him. I bet you Xavion Curry gets you Jess Winker. And yeah, I just think, like I said, no one loves a deal more than Chris Antonetti. And if you're Seattle, that clears what? 6.5 million to go chase someone else, which they're also talking about trading Chris Flexen and someone else, uh, potentially as I think they're trying to consolidate. Yeah, and I guess if you go and give them someone like a, a Curry or a Pilkington or, I don't know, maybe Pilkington is not as, I don't know how those guys all all are valued by Seattle. But, no, I, I don't think it gets a lot done. And I think you have to be willing to give him a pass for certain things this year. I mean, the reports about him and, and the issues with teammates, like you said, he was hurt and he didn't want to place two halves of double headers because the injury won a 68. I think maybe that was his way of trying to, be able to play and play through the injuries he was having. I mean, he had what surgery on his 
his knee and his neck, I believe, yeah. this offseason. That's a concern, though, too. I mean, I, you have to be really, really comfortable that he is going to be able to come back next year and and be the guy he was before this because if those injuries or those surgeries don't go well, he's rehabbing all offseason from the surgeries. That's a uh, – I remember – I mean – Yes, it's it's what seven million right now this season he makes. I believe so. That's not a lot in terms of normal, you know, pro sports dollars, but that's a lot for Cleveland to commit to one player, and then have him absolutely tank this year if he's not healthy. And you know, how much run do you give that guy? Like, do you do you continue to roll him out there if he's bad because he didn't have a normal off season? He had to had to do a lot of rehab and like. At what point does that become a, a contract you just have to eat if it doesn't work out? Like, I think the odds of him rebounding could be pretty good because the stats back it up. I mean, if you just go look at his 21 Savant page, it's full of red red everywhere. The only places he's really blue are the, the places that would he would need to be a good defensive outfielder. The splits have stunk against lefties for a long time. I don't know. I'm just so torn on whether or not it makes sense to acquire a platoon DH like – when when does Seattle pull the trigger on that? That's the question. Is if that's something you have to do early, just to, before somebody else like pulls the trigger on him, that kind of eliminates you from doing anything else. Like as far as the DH, first base, whatever you decide to do, you know what I mean. Like Seattle is going to want to cut bait at some. If they're really going to trade, they want to cut bait at some point. But um, if you do it too early, if you're Cleveland, it limits your flexibility the rest of the off season to maybe get a better option that's not a platoon DH, you know what I mean? Yeah. Though I would counter argument the money by saying Fran Mill Reyes and Brian Shaw cost more than that last year when you combine those two. Now I know we had higher expectations, but when you combine those two players, that was Fran Mill was 4.5 and Shaw ended up being close to 4.5. So that was $9 million um, in a negative. I mean, even just Shaw alone at 4.5 is only, you know, 2 point, what 2.5 less. Uh, and that's a reliever versus a player. I agree. I mean, I know they don't want to limit themselves, but I think they would announce it. And you, Terry would still play him in left field. Like Oscar Gonzalez is not a good defender out there either. Like is Jess Winker. Jess Winker's probably worse. They would, uh, I mean, they're playing poor defenders out there. They've they've had a history of doing that. Um, he would still play some outfield. He would, I mean, I don't know if he's played first base. I, I didn't look that deep. And like I said, it just comes down to, all-time buy low, still under 30, and we know they like him. I'm just going to cut you off. I'm going to do what everyone hates. We're going to take our third break here, and then you get to hear Justin's thoughts, but I'm going to make you wait. Uh, and that is the good folks over at Bet Online. Listen, Bet Online has been with us since almost the beginning. They are the title sponsor of the day, and they are your number one source for sports betting info, stats, and news and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love podcasts, you can find those too at Bet Online as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. And again, you can probably go and find lines very soon for what are the likelihood of Jess Winker being traded away uh, and which team he might go to. I think we all think that's going to happen. Head to Bet Online for yourself. Fantastic in terms of your betting, but also just news and information. Check out our good friends, a Mount Rushmore sponsor over at Bet Online today. Yeah, that may be the one place you have to go for for news, right? If Twitter dies, yeah. you have to go to Bet Online for all your sports news at that point because I don't know what else you're going to go to. 
No, I, ju- I just wonder like how much Cleveland, how what background they'll do and what uh, how much this year affects what they think of him. I mean, they, we know he tried to, they try to get him in the past. You know, the injuries this year, the reports about the t- issues with teammates. I'm sure if they were to go in and try to acquire him, they would vet all that. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to go and blind and just look at all and see all the stuff that happened this year and just not investigate it. They're going to do their due diligence if they can. But I just wonder how much that changes their perception of him and their value because all their interest in him was before all this happened. So you wonder how much that changes things. And uh, like you said, I know that knocks the value down and, and they like a good bargain. I just all, – all that rolled into one issue of him being a, a platoon DH as good as he is. Like what is the difference between him – like you said, I know Nolan Jones – you know, the strikeout rate is going to be like 25% at best. Like that's, that's, that's the best case scenario for him. I know Winker is better than that, but I'm just saying as far as playing time goes, are they really going to, are they going to make playing time? If they didn't have playing time for Jones, are they going to make playing time for a 30, almost 30 year old DH who is a platoon DH coming off the injury issues? I just think that it greatly reduces the odds, but we'll see if they do their homework on them. And if they decide the cost is, too good to pass up and they think you can help this offense. And I do want to throw out like after those negative reports, DePoto and Scott service both like went massively on the defense for him and said, everything was blown out of proportion. Now it could be defending an asset. It could be defending your player, but like they went like, there was a video of like a two minute filibuster when someone like tried to bring it up to them where that's how it gets described in the article. But yeah, they uh, they went out of their way to be like, that wasn't the case. Listen, he was hurt and we didn't get to see the best of him. So maybe they're not as interested in trading him. Uh, could, But, you know, it's listen, the story, the way it was written was sensationalized. Like it got everyone going. Ooh, we, we knew it was a bit of a sensationalized story. So we'll have to see what goes on there. Um, I am very curious. You know, it is if you go and you look at a savant page right now, uh outfield jump one first percentile now remember that's the bad one that's above average third percentile but chase rate 99th percentile walk rate 98th percentile with 78th percentile there's a place for him to play on this team i think you know if, if you're looking at him being the playing every day against um just as a dh against right-handers you're going to face what i think 80 percent of the time that's great that makes this team better again even at his worst he'd have been the sixth six best hitter on this team a year ago. So uh, if they're able to get it done at a cheap cost, which it seems likely, then I- I'm for it, which is weird. Cause I've always been the guy like, why do you want to trade for him? He can't hit right. He can't hit lefties. He can't play defense. And now here I am a year later, much like Chris Antonetti, I guess when I see a chance to pounce on a player whose value is at a nader, that's not how you say that word. Nadir. Uh, I'm, I'm all for pouncing. So that's, I guess that's just my final thought. Um, if not him, uh, is there anyone else we want to talk about in the last few minutes on the show? Jump into any. I, I stepped on your feet so many times. Let me just throw you the mic, and I'm just going to sit back here. Well, you did bring up that interesting point tonight, and uh, we were DMing on Twitter. Um, how many how many more times are we going to get a chance to say that DMing on Twitter? But uh, right. you brought up an you brought up an interesting discussion. I don't know. Do we have time to get into that discussion? I think so. Uh, okay. We'll have to cut out a little bit for when my internet dropped anyway. So uh, w- w- the the count isn't quite on. Okay. So you, you can lead us in that discussion since that was your idea. 
so we have these discussions both on it like just and i probably talked for almost an hour after we record uh we should just like do a secondary video and then upload that for <laughs> you know for all the people who want long edition and it got me thinking about this idea of like because one of the twitter comments i tried to respond to everyone on twitter or not Twitter on YouTube was like, I want to see one of our prospects, one of our great prospects get to the big leagues. And I get that with Valera. I will also argue that Valera is the same level of prospect as Clint Frazier with a lot of the same risks uh, and ceiling and floor. So I, I think sometimes he's gotten a little too much hype comparative to, you know, he's not in the Lindor class, for instance, you know, it, it, there's different class levels for these players. But my thought was, for everyone who wants to see him or everyone who's like, you can't trade Valera for Murphy, in the next, when I look at what George Valera becomes, and I look at Sean Murphy with, okay, and then one of our people talked about, they don't know what Runs Creative Plus is. It is a metric that takes all of the offensive things you do, boils them down, and then averages. So 100 is average. I know we talked about this a little bit yesterday. And then if you're going to be 10%, 10% above, that's a 110. So Sean Murphy is a 122. That means he was 22% above league average. Um, that's for Cleveland. catchers too. Yeah. It's adjusted for position. So he was 22% above average of all catchers offensively. Yeah. Other positions are, are different in terms of you're graded against your own position value. Yeah. But, but he's still, you know, a highly productive player. You go and look at the numbers. Now, having stated that, would we expect in the next three to four years, George Valera to be able to put up a 122 runs created plus? And I think that's a no. So like, I think in terms of just pure production, Murphy gives you production on top of being a unicorn defensively. Like Valera's production isn't going to match what Murphy gives more. You know, I think in 80% of outcomes, the answer is no, maybe even 90% of outcomes for Valera. He's not going to give you what Murphy can give you over the next two to three years. And maybe beyond. Yeah. By the way, way runs career plus I lied does not control for position. Yeah. No, I was I so, didn't think it was. I thought it was just even so you can compare everyone offensively. There's yeah, other ones right, that so. wait per position, but this way it's it's a level playing field. So when it's a one twenty two, that means it is for every position across the board. Um, but yeah, so I don't think Valera I mean, to expect anyone to put up a one twenty two, again, just to talk about like it, I, I use it so much because it's nice how it boils everything down. Everything down into one number that is easy to understand. Who on the Guardians was closest to that offensive production, which encompasses all parts. It's not the base running, but all parts when you're in that box. Well, Oscar Gonzalez also had a 122, and Stephen Kwan had a 124. So that gives you an idea of how productive Sean Murphy was. And I, I just don't expect Valera to do that um, consistently. Yeah, Steamer has him at a 112 next season, and Steamer has Sean Murphy at 118. Uh, I don't know if it goes any anything beyond this season. I think Steamer doesn't go more than one season so. at a time. Yeah, I know Zips does occasionally. But, yeah, I mean, do you think that, that George Valera gets to 122 at some time in 2023 and 2024? I don't know. It's possible. I think it's certainly possible, but I think the odds of – Sean Murphy repeating his season the next two seasons is more likely than George Valera doing that. And also my point was when you factor in um, Oscar Gonzalez is projected at 119. So Steamer believes in what he did this year, even though you and I, you know, have never really been big on Oscar Gonzalez. He proved us wrong and Steamer believes in him. So 
Uh, I know a lot of teams gauge their projections against Steamer to sometimes too. So people do look at Steamer projections. Teams do. Um, Will Brennan at a one sixteen way to runs created plus. So it's it's Sean, it's the alternative to Sean Murphy is Bo Naylor, who is I think listed at a one oh seven. Which hey, one oh seven is a massive upgrade over what Cleveland was, has been getting a catcher since. Uh, 2019 was the last year they had a good offensive year from a catcher. It was Burrow Perez's uh, one shining year uh, that he stayed healthy. But 107 is a giant upgrade. Um, but Murphy comes with, with you know, more uh, predictable defense, particularly good defense, and a little bit better offensively. And, and you can have both those guys in your lineup. There's nothing that says you can't have both those guys in your lineup. Um, and it's, but it's that it's, it's just Bo Naylor and, and being sure about Bo Naylor, if you're sure. And hopefully, hoping George Valera ends up as a 122 way to runs created plus, but also forcing his way into the lineup. He's got to force his way up here this year. That's the thing. They're going to, Gonzalez is going to get run. Brennan's going to get run. Those guys are all going to get chances probably before Valera. That doesn't mean he can't force his way up here, but he's going to have to first. He's got to spend some time in AAA and, knock the door down as they always say um the odds of brennan i like the odds of brennan and gonzalez becoming a a tandem that does very well out there and and maybe you find room for valera gonzalez and brennan on the roster possibly i don't know but i think the odds of murphy helping this team greatly over the next two three seasons versus valera's getting Valeris peak might be as good offensively as, as Murphy's is right. But his peak is not coming in the next three seasons. Murphy's is it's about the, the I hate, I hate saying window because window is never truly accurate, but it's about this group and Murphy fits into this group and not that Valera doesn't, but I think he raises your floor and your ceiling greater in the next three years than Valera is going to is the point. Yeah, no agreed. And I think, you know, the when I brought up my initial point of comparing him, I think you your counterpoint was fantastic, which is is the the gap between what's greater, the gap between Valera and Brennan or the gap between Murphy and Naylor. And I definitely think it's Murphy and Naylor. I I don't even think that's closer up for debate. I mean, Steamer doesn't see it. Steamer does see it that way, the projections. Yeah. Um and, and- you know, catcher is just a notoriously hard position to break a rookie in at. Yes. And I'm not saying I'm not a believer in Bo Naylor. I, I am a believer in Bo Naylor. I think he yeah. can be a league average starter. Um, and that's a, that's a very good thing. Being a league average starter catcher is is pretty good. Um, especially when you're talking about a homegrown catcher and, and the fail rate of high school prospects um, and all that kind of stuff. But the, the gap by projections say that, that it's, it's closer – between Brennan Gonzalez and Valera than it is Naylor and Murphy. But even that, like we keep saying, Murphy doesn't mean the end of Bo Naylor. Mur- it just, those two can coexist on this team. And Murphy only has a couple more years um, left anyway. And, and Naylor can still be the future at that position. Yeah, no, there's, there's no reason they can't play. And I, I listen, I, I've been strongly debating making Naylor my number one hitting prospect in system. I like, he would be, my fourth rated player, if that's the case, because it's definitely the arms are one, two, three. And the question is who's at four between those next three hitters. And so this isn't any doubt on Naylor, but it's exactly what you said. 
that position is so hard to break into. Adlai Rushman is the exception, not the rule. Most young catchers end up being up and down. Most don't get thrown into the role and stick. And then just the, the, the defensive ceiling is not – he can be an above average to average defender. Don't get me wrong. But Sean Murphy is like maybe the best defensive, consistent defensive uh, catcher in baseball. I know he didn't win the gold glove this year. He did last year. But uh, no matter what list you have, he's going to be in the top three. And that's just a, a de- he he raises the defensive and the offensive ceiling. And that's why we continue to fixate on him. It's just he he is the square peg in the square hole that really fits this team's needs. Great. I mean, he's not going to end up in Cleveland. I know people are probably tired of us of railing on uh, about Sean Murphy, but uh, people brought yeah. up, you know, Valera versus Murphy, and it's going to take one of those four guys, the three yeah. pitching prospects or Valera, to to get a deal done if they choose to. <laughs> Absolutely. And then if not, hopefully this doesn't drag out so long and uh, they can go get Christian Vasquez. That's, that's who I'm settling on as my number two. I don't know about everyone else, but – that is my number two target. Uh, do you want to do any closing thoughts here? No, I'm good. Uh, thanks okay. for listening all week and appreciate everybody. Appreciate having Lindsay on for our Thursday show. That was great. I have reached out to, uh, to someone on the 40 man roster about potentially having them on the show. So we will see uh, more information to follow. And uh, I want to thank everyone for listening, rating and reviewing. Uh, as you can see, we are, we know our flaws and we're working to improve them constantly. And we want to thank you for the feedback uh, throughout the week and the month and the year. Uh, it is always a lot of fun to interact with all of you logs out there. That is what I'm calling our Locked On Guardians listeners. They're the logs. Yep, I'm going for it. I'm pulling it. And the way we end every show, go, go, Guardians, go. And go, Logs, go. <laughs>